Hi, I'm Wack. Hi, and I'm Pat, and welcome to another episode of the Weekly Orbit, the week ending Friday, October 13th. It's the 13th, Friday. Good day for a scary movie. Halloween's coming up. Uh, the markets are a little scary, Wack, but I see uh, you're not in your normal um, dark cave. Uh, where does this podcast find you today? I'm, I'm in a different room, just so I can get a little bit of peace and quiet. So, um, ah. Yeah. That's good. Well, we got a lot to go over, and I'm going to start today with a post from Anthe Sassano before we get into stats. He, he tweeted out today, uh, the final stage of the bull market makes you feel like you're going to make infinite money. The final stage of the bear crab market makes you feel like you're never going to make money again. Hold on, friends. The light of the bull market will shine upon us soon enough. And I, I think it's just good good words of uh, wisdom here from Anthony, who's been through a few cycles himself. Um, it seems like, you know, it might be a good idea. Just don't check your balances. <laughs> just, you know, I, I personally do uh, a weekly, uh, you know, DCA buy every week. doesn't matter what's going on. I just put my head down and just do it. Because at some point, we'll all be rewarded. But right now, it's just tough. Whack, what do you think? Yeah, so I've been through one bear market before, and that one was a lot more painful. So I got into crypto in December 2017, which was the peak or top, basically, of the Bitcoin bull market back then. And then I was buying into the Ethereum bull market. So I watched my portfolio over the following year and basically over the next two years kind of go down 90% uh, a couple of times. So that that was a whole different like ball game back then for me. Um, and what I realized was like, you know, I believe this technology is going to exist and it's going to be here for a while. And I think that this is something that isn't going away. So the best thing to do in this situation is to buy more. And that decision treated me really well going into the whole market of like 2020 into 2021, of course. Um, and, you know, I... I'd be lying if I said that this was painful as well. Like, honestly, like I'm not really right now feeling the pain of this bull market. And that is only because of like, you know, being the privileged position where I, I, I've been in crypto for a while now, right? So it, it doesn't hit me in the same way as it's hitting other people in the community, other people who are watching this. So I totally understand that, you know, I'm in a position of privilege here. But mm -hmm. it just doesn't feel as existential this time as it did last time. Like last time there was you know, there was still a legitimate talk of, you know, crypto might go to zero, right? And that was a much bigger part of people's like risk analysis than it is now for, for the legitimate reasons, right? Like, you know, I don't think crypto is going to zero anymore. Like um, it's like a hundred times less likely to happen than it was in 2018. But that kind of changes the approach a little bit. And I know that a lot of people in our community are down bad right now and I really feel for them. But um, the thing that I learned in 2018 and 2019, that's when I built up most of my ETH that I had in 2020 as well, um, is um, <clears throat> technology. And if you believe that it will come back, then the conviction in that belief can be rewarded really well. And of course, this is not financial advice. Please, please, please do not invest more than you can afford to lose because you could still lose all of it. But that's how, what I noticed, and that's what I think Anthony Sassano here is talking about as well. And it's really funny because I've been looking at the charts a lot recently, um, not in terms of like, you know, my portfolio or anything like that, but just looking at like the inverse of what 
Rocket Pool, the RPL token was doing um, into February and March and April and how that bull run just felt like it was um, going to last forever, right? Like this mm-hmm. just a mini cycle. And now, you know, we've had 25, I think, weeks of down only pretty much since then. Like I think we've had two or three red candles in the last six months. And that in itself is just um, an idea of um, how, you know, it's inversed in a way that it, it hadn't before. Like it was up only for so long, right? Yeah. Like since last summer, it was up only, and then it's been down only since then. But just like the up only couldn't last forever, the down only can't last forever as well, no. unless it's zero, of course. Unless you're, <laughs> unless you're Luna, right? Yeah. <laughs> and exactly. RPL is not Luna. It's got fun, good fundamentals. Uh, it's got exactly. a great team, a huge yeah. community, um, and we're we're not. You can't go down forever, just like you can't go up forever, just like you said. Yeah. And I think what Anthony's saying here as well is like, you know, just the point at which you get that feeling of utter jubilation, like that, understand that that doesn't last and, uh, you know, trade accordingly. And then the mm-hmm. feeling of utter despair that I've seen people like, you know, present now, right? Like, you know, that sentiment is is sadly not uncommon. Um, yeah. Just to have that belief that that doesn't last also. But I think there's some really wise um, advice that you get get from Anthony about like these market feelings and sentiments. I feel like, you know, I've been through a couple of cycles as well. Now um, you get the, you see the, the, them rhyming, the cycles rhyming. And I think you can draw some conclusions from that once you go through it. So um, right. I think that's a really nice tweet to start with. That was a good sure. choice. And one um, piece of advice that Warren Buffett, uh, you know, legendary investor, you know, he's a boomer. Well, he's past a boomer. He's really old now, but he, he says markets are are where the impatient transfer wealth to the patient. Absolutely. So, folks, be patient. Don't be the impatient ones and sell, um, you know, at the bottom because you'll be regretting it later. When later is, I don't know. We don't know, but it'll, you know, the fundamentals are great. The technology is going to be, it's proven. It's like you said in the last bull bear, there was serious, you know, we joke, some folks will write on Discord, crypto dead right well back then it it was i think a possibility and but today no it's you know we're right it's main it's becoming mainstream and it's not going anywhere so the the last time i really felt that crypto might be dead was during the covid crash and that's only because like we thought everything was dead do you know what i mean ETH was back down to 80 dollars and it was in the 80s and it was painful, like that was because, you know, we just got on this glimmer of a bull market to come, you know, a Bitcoin halving was arriving and all of this stuff was happening. And like it went down to 80 from, I think, 300 or something around those numbers, 250 or something. And there was utter despair. And uh, so many people capitulated in that moment. Right. And yeah. that's the real time was to um, to load up because obviously we went on a 60x bull run or 50x bull run from there so um and, and whack if if i recall didn't thomas or rocket pool well didn't he buy at the bottom at 80 or something from your well, interview with he, him he didn't buy ETH then what he was doing was trading tesla uh, future futures options in tesla so that's what he did so he um shorted <clears throat> short, he longed it and then shorted it or either shorted it and then longed it but he did two trades back to back in tesla leaps that just like perfect he went timing from, right he, went, he had fifty thousand in bitcoin that went to six hundred thousand that went to eight million i think in those trades and then in crypto terms he went into cardano and caught the cardano run so he had bitcoin 
then Tesla, then Tesla, then Cardano, then Ethereum. So he had five once in a lifetime trades back to back. So yeah. You, That's you like, just buy an island and retire and quit. <laughs> Amazing. He can he can do whatever he wants. Like Yeah, Chris. I know, I know. Yeah, but good so, for him. That's great. Yeah, good, absolutely. Okay. Like, absolutely. Yeah, he's a really great guy. Absolutely love yeah, him. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, on to um let's stick the Ethereum validator cube. So last night as was I was prepping for the podcast whack. We were down to zero. We were down mm -hmm. to zero for several hours, and it looks like now we're back up to nine hours and 22 minutes. It looks like um, someone withdrew some validators. But this has come down significantly over, as you know, over the last several months. We were at, uh, I think, 45 days or so was the, was the top, and now we're basically down to a day or less. So yeah. um, this is good for those who are looking to, you know, if you've got to do some maintenance, you've got to switch nodes, you got to, do, you know, you can withdraw. I think the execute the whole process takes a few days if i don't if mm -hmm. i recall and then you can just jump right back in within a day and, yeah. and start earning eth again so the whole process now will take you around seven days i think so you've got to signal your withdrawal from rocket pool that takes some time you've got to go through like the exit <laughs> stuff um, and then you've got to go through the entry stuff so then you've got entry queue on the rocket pool side you've got an entry queue on the ethereum side where you have to wait a certain amount of time so i think all in all it'll take you between five and seven days probably mm -hmm. just like if you budget a week for it like losing yeah. Yeah. rewards for a week while you get everything sorted out i don't think it's too big a deal no that's yeah. great okay on yeah. to the stats um <clears throat> we got the deposit pool at uh it's over over capacity nineteen thousand seven ninety one. Um we've had some decent deposits this week, Wack, if mm -hmm. we look at the daily. Um back on October tenth we had two thousand seventy eight. Um October seventh we had fifteen hundred. So, you know, most of the time it's three digit, occasionally we get a four digit. Uh yeah. so any thoughts on the deposit pool? Yeah, so of course the deposit pool is full right now, so we're not gonna be getting any deposits. So a lot of, and because we're over full now as well, there's no uh, premium to up. So the way to get that back down to 18,000, which is like a magic number, we either need someone to burn some RETH, um, or we need um, people to spin up validators without um, caring about there being any premium. Um, mm -hmm. There was some really interesting stuff that happened this week about like the premium of whether you should wait for a premium or not. And depending on how much you think the premium might get to, um, it might be worth waiting for up to a year, basically, depending on what your um, opportunity um, analysis is. So uh, that I think people are still waiting. and they, they, they might have targets in mind of what they want the premium to be. And once we get those, once we get those numbers, then we might see an influx of, of validators starting. But at the moment, you know, things are kind of ticking along and we're at around 540,000 RE, give or take which has kind of been like flat for the last for the last month or two. Um, but we, we're still kind of picking along. So um, does the premium, flat. is it affected at all by the validator queue? No. So the premium basically is all about the secondary market. So when, mm -hmm. when people can't mint our ETH on the rocket pool, like stake.rocketpool.net, then they, they go to Uniswap or other places like Balancer and they just buy our ETH on the market. So when there's more demand for our ETH than the protocol can take, then people buy it and then that gives you a premium. So that's kind of where the premium comes from. It's all about the secondary market. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, let's take a look at the RPL ETH ratio. Uh, it's at 0 0.01198. 
Uh, it's gone down, uh, obviously we were just talking about. One, one thing I notice here, WAC, is if we look at the RPA, RPL supply state, it's at 50, mm-hmm. over 50%, and you see over time, that's been creeping up. It, you know, uh, back in you know, January of 22, we were at 14%, you know, now we're up to 50. And one thing that came to mind thinking about traditional equity markets is these small cap stocks that have lower liquidity, you know, they typically, um, they will underperform in a bear market compared to large cap stocks. And then when the bull run happens in equities, the small cap stocks will then race back and exceed the, the large cap. And RPL is a small, you know, a small cap stock in that. And this this uh, supply is very limited and liquidity is low. And so it works both ways. Right now, if you, as an example, Wack, if you took a, you made a sell for a thousand RPL, it's gonna affect the price. Mm-hmm. Well, during a bull, that's also gonna work the opposite way. You buy a thousand RPL, the price is gonna go up. And so as this, the, the amount of supply state continues to increase, the liquidity thins, you know, sometime when the bull market comes back, I think we're going to see a lot of volatility on the upside as well. Absolutely. And that's that's why people get into smaller tokens, right? Like they, that volatility um, aspect of it gets amplified hugely. And when it's going down, it's really bad. But when it's going up, there's nothing like it. Like there was, yeah. there was months earlier this year where Rocket Pool was outperforming basically every token on the top, like not just 100, but like in the top 250 because it was having a bull market in a way, in the in the part of the cycle when no one else was right, everyone else was in the crab market or a bear market, and we saw tokens go down bad, and RPL like really rallied. And part of that was because of like the limited liquidity available. The thing is, like once we get to a, like a global bull market in terms of all of crypto, you know, this total stake number I expect to be around like thirteen or fourteen million, and I think that's going to be like the upper bound, um, and we'll see that number in around fourteen months' time, I think. And the reason why I'm saying that is because NordSet, which we're going to talk about later, will go live in about four to six months, I guess. And then uh, we'll have the Houston and especially the Saturn upgrades, which will come towards Q3 or Q4 of next year. Once we get those, I think we'll be in a really good situation for a lot of RPL to be locked up. And then that liquidity aspect, like you said, will just go down a lot and then we'll just get more explosive moves, right? And that's, yeah. that's I mean, during the the bull for RPL last year or earlier this year, you know, we're we're the supply was anywhere from thirty to forty percent staked, and we're at fifty. And if it at the max, what do you forecast? Sixty percent or more? Somewhere around like thirteen or fourteen, I think. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and this that bull run was before Houston and before Saturn, before uh, Atlas, (laughs) before imagine. So I, I'm trying to I'm trying to talk the positive talk this morning, you know, mm-hmm. just to, like, hey, folks, there's, a, there's some good stuff happening. Just to, uh, keep your head down and do what you got to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Just the, the main the main focus right now is to survive. So if you survive yeah, this period, survive. that's the main thing. Just survive. Right. And then yeah. whatever comes next, you can you can go to that next. Correct. Yeah. Now, in terms of uh, liquidity, um, our friend Lucas Kozak had a really cool idea. You folk, you had this on your show, Wack. He's mm-hmm. put a post in Discord. All our ETH holders um, could help backstop RPL by providing buy liquidity on our ETH RPL pair and earn fees while doing so. When the price recovers, 
they'd be again left with our ETH only plus gain fees in RPL. And yep. so here is, um, here's the pool that he was referring to on Uniswap V3. Why don't you yeah. tell us what, what is Lucas uh, was it trying to say here? Yeah, okay. So Lucas is trying to say here that the RPL token right now is suffering a lot because there's very low liquidity on the market. So what happens is, like we were just saying, right, when someone sells a thousand RPL, it can move the price more now than it could six months ago. And we're reaching a point now where there's very little liquidity on the downside. So that means like a thousand RPL, if we go into that zone, would be even more drastic than it is at the moment, right? Like the, the amount of like hit that you take in price. So what Lucas is suggesting is if you are an RETH holder, then it's likely that you're aligned with Rocket Pool Protocol. And if you're aligned with the Rocket Pool Protocol, you can use this time now as an opportunity to provide your RETH in the liquidity uh, for, as liquidity on Uniswap. And what would happen is you don't need to deposit any RPL. You will just provide your RETH as, on a buying range just below where the price is. Mm-hmm. And then you will act as support for that price. So as people sell our RPL, they will sell it into your RETH. And what happens with that is that as the price moves through your range, because like, so you can provide a, like concentrated liquidity, as the mm-hmm. price moves through your range, you will earn fees from that. So you'll get some um, RPL, you'll get some RETH, you'd get some like just fees that come from that. So this pool right here is 0.3% pool. So as the as the price moves through your thing, you'll be earning 0.3% of every trade that happens. The idea is that as you ride out this period, you know, you might end up in a position where all your RETH has been swapped into RPL as the price goes down. Yeah. As the price goes back up and goes through your range again to the upside, then you can withdraw all your RETH because you'll have all of that back and you'll have rewards on top in uh, RPL and RETH terms. I think exactly, I'm not exactly sure what rewards you end up with, but basically you end up with like good rewards. That's what he was saying. I was talking to a friend yesterday who was saying that their liquidity position was earning around 30% in fees, um, 30% APR. And I'm not saying that that's what you'll get by doing this, but like the fees are not negligible. You're also, of course, always earning your RETH rewards the whole time. Of course, the only problem is that if RPL token goes to zero, then you'll just be left with RPL tokens. So as the price moves out your position. So there's some risk, of course, in terms of smart contract risk, there's not too much on Uniswap. You know, it's an extremely battle-tested protocol. It's not had any hacks of any of their positions ever. Um, And there's billions and billions of dollars of tokens in there. It's like the biggest honeypot in crypto and it's it's fine. So I think while that risk does exist, um, it's not a significant worry um, that you should have. So... If you look at the liquidity part of of that tab, you know where the graph is. Like, so no one's actually used this pool yet. But if you look at the liquidity, there was one person who provided around sixty uh, RETH worth of liquidity yesterday. And um, as the prices move down into that, now they've got thirty RETH left and two thousand six hundred RPL tokens. So as the price moves through that range, they get more RPL if it goes down, or more RETH if it goes up. So um, that that that's a way of showing. So basically, what Lucas is saying that if you are an RETH holder, if it's just sat there, you're not doing anything with it. Put it on Uniswap, help the protocol, earn some fees. It's a win-win for everyone. And as long as the price goes up eventually, you'll have all your RETH back and some bonus rewards on top. So yeah, I think that's a really cool idea. Uh, thanks, Lucas, for sharing. 
Okay, on to the uh, vote that's ongoing right now in Rockapool is uh, RPIP 4, determining the voting criteria. Um, this is, uh, I think, on for at least another week. Right mm -hmm. now, the, uh, the folks who want to only allow people with RPL collateral of 10% or higher is slightly out, uh, outweighing the folks who think all nodes should be eligible. Right now we're at 42% for above 10% and 38% for all nodes. Uh, there is about 20% abstaining at the moment. Uh, it has that quorum. There's two votes. Uh, I just, the one I have on the screen is for all nodes. So anyone right now who has a, um, any, R, uh, any RPL collateral Posted as part of their node can vote. And um, any thoughts on this? I know it's ongoing. I know you talked a lot about it earlier in the week. We don't have to hash it. We, we covered it last week as well. But yeah. uh, before we move on to the next topic, anything you want to say? Yeah, so there's two votes happening, like you said. So this one that is for all nodes is a little bit closer. And the one that is for 10% to 150%. So if you just press back on the top left, that one um, has a little bit more of a lead for plus 10%. Um, it's the second one down, yeah, that one, yeah, no, that that one, yeah. So this one, um, you know, the percentages are a bit wider. So it's forty-eight percent versus thirty-three percent. The key to this vote is going to be um, three or four potential outstanding votes. So we have um, Val, who has abstained at the moment, and Val's idea is that he will, um, his goal is to reach consensus. So whichever party is winning, he will vote with that party. Um, the second big vote that's outstanding is Joe. Joe says that he will have time this weekend to read the arguments, and then he will vote this weekend. And then there's two other votes outstanding that could really like you know make all this redundant, and that is one from Marco Barco and one from Thomas. So their their votes they have huge voting power, and they can swing this vote either way as well. So um, what we'll need to see is like what at the end of this weekend we'll have an idea of how Joe's voted. <laughs> And then we'll see if any other votes come in. And we've got until the 24th of August to see how it all goes. Okay. We will have an update next show. I think the vote will be closed. Uh, it says October 24th. So, well, actually, no, by next week, it'll still be open. So, uh, yeah, read the, go to the forum, folks, if you haven't voted yet. Read the pros and cons and make your voice heard. Okay. Okay, on to the next one. Uh, Vitalik, he's been... Uh, talking or writing a lot about a lot of things he's mentioned Rockpool a couple times in between playing three-dimensional chess uh, which I didn't realize people actually played three-dimensional chess I thought it was only on Star Trek with uh, androids but I saw a picture once of him playing three-dimensional chess and I <laughs> anyways he, he likes these blog posts whack where he will he throws out some he does some intellectual exercises and comes up with some potential ideas He's kind of like, hey, what do you think about this or that? And um, he's talking about staking pool changes in the protocol that could improve decentralization. And yeah. he mentions our ETH. Oh, what's the TLDR on this? So the TLDR on this is that, um, you know, we're talking about different systems of staking that might be able to help Ethereum. So there's a real worry now that Lido is too big an agent and they're not showing any signs of wanting to limit themselves. So uh, what can we do at the Ethereum level to try to fix that? And um, that's, those are some of the ideas that Vitalik's kind of been like um, pushing and 
first of all, like he talked about enshrinement of um, LSTs at the Ethereum base level. So the Ethereum protocol itself would have its own LST. Um, and here he's talking about um, different ways that you can model like a two-tiered staking system. And he uses some examples with Rocket Pool, but it's not necessarily the, the focus of this particular article. So um, it's just giving you an idea of what like Vitalik is thinking about with staking. And then, you know, of course he's hugely influential and other people like really listen to his lead. So um, I think that was something that people are like really paying attention to. I'm waiting for the day when Vitalik jumps in trading. <laughs> so one day, you know, like we've had- It will happen. Core developers coming into trading, like we've had um, Tim Baiko and we've had, um, wait, who else? We had Danny Ryan, I think, has been in trading. We've had, um, yeah, a whole bunch of them. Like the people, yeah. not Vitalik. My, my hmm. number one goal is to have Vitalik and Rocket Fuel at some point. I don't know if that will ever happen. I doubt it will ever happen. But that's 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 when I will like then just retire after that point. Like that. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Okay, on to next. We were talking about node set earlier, Wack, and um, <clears throat> Wanderer posted in the node set Discord. He says, uh, the first onboarding emails for node set operators have been sent, and the facts are they got 145 operators have applied in total. 51% of applicants met our pre-checks for onboarding, and they'll be reaching out to those who are selected uh, soon. 49% of applicants failed pre-checks, uh, check your email for details. Now, he, he had a follow-up here um, yesterday. FYI, we have discovered a bug in our automated pre-check process. Performance is currently being measured for all time rather than, rather than last three months, which means that just a few applicants have failed when they should have passed. So um, they apologize. There will probably be a few more folks you know, who were right on the cusp who are going to get uh, outreached. Uh, there will be an outreach to them to say, hey, you did get selected. And so, yeah. uh, did you get selected, Wack? I know you signed up for this. No, didn't. you didn't meet it. Because what happened is um, I had some issues with my Nook, my, my node, and I think that's fixed now, thankfully. But then I had a huge power outage um, about four weeks ago, and that was costing me a lot. So there's three criteria, as you can see on the screen, that people were being checked against. The first one was performance. So they checked the last 90 days of your performance on your rated.network. And you had to have an effective rating above 95%. Um, time validating had to be six months of validation before you got selected. And the third one was invalid signature submission. So you needed to make sure that you signed a signature from your node machine. And that was your entry ticket, basically. So um, the performance issue, I guess, they fixed that bug. So it might be likely that they'll um, have more now than the, the 50, I think, 70 people or so. Um, they might, they're going to cap it at 100 people for this round. So um, we'll see how that goes in the yeah. coming days. I think Wanderer mentioned, he said like the first 100, it's going to be like an alpha baby or baby yeah. alpha uh, release. And mm -hmm. we, as you said earlier in the show, I think I saw Nick later in this thread, Nick S, he said they're looking at the end of first quarter um, yeah. to go live. And that's yeah. going to be a really, you know, we've talked about it, we'll be talking about it more, but a real good scaling solution for Rocket Pool. I think Absolutely. it's uh, it's an easy easy way for node operators to earn more yield and help yeah. out the protocol. I think that's like the big thing that people are sleeping on right now is that yeah. um, this node set is going to really help push things, especially in terms of RPL staking. Um, I think that they've they've got at least I, I don't want to say at least, but I I can expect them to have two to three million RPL 
under their control within six months of launch. Yeah, and I think uh, just looking a little longer term, NodeSet I think is going to be the driving force for Rockapool until Saturn, mm-hmm. you know, which is expected at 12 months down the road. Yeah. So they go live first quarter. That's going to be like the big talk for yeah. until Saturn comes out because then Saturn will most likely allow LEB4s and even more explosive growth, perhaps, perhaps lower. Yeah, it's actually perhaps lower depending on what happens between now and then. But that's this is a really exciting year for Rocket Pool, and I think yeah. really good things ahead. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, on to the next one. Um, Ledger. We've been talking about this months ago, and it kind of disappeared. But uh, Ledger Live now supports uh, staked RETH, so you can go on Ledger Live app. It'll connect you to the rocketpool.net website where you can um, d- deposit ETH and swap for our ETH, assuming there's room in the deposit pool. Uh, but this is a long time coming. And so finally, um, I, you know, one thing I've read, Whack, is that I, someone estimated that Lido, 30% of their ST ETH came from Ledger for, mm-hmm. you know, folks just using their hardware wallet, going in Ledger Live and buying ST ETH. Yeah. So um, this could be a, a real uh, boom for our ETH um, at some point once the deposit pool frees up a little bit. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by those Lido numbers. But even like the thing with the, the deposit pool, you have to notice that is that because they're integrating the Rocket Pool uh, stake website, that actually will take you through um, a, a pool um, if the if the uh, oh, yeah. deposit pool is full. So you, right. you'll still be able to get it. You might just be paying a very slight premium. I think it's zero point zero three right now percent. So it's yeah, a very I forgot small. about that. Yeah. 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 So it, it used to be when first you, you it would just you could buy RE through the website through the depositable yeah. and that's it. And now yeah. the websites have been enhanced where it, if it's full, I'll send you to the secondary market. Exactly. Awesome. That's really great. Okay, on to the next. Uh, Joe has a uh, release. F- uh, the update for SmartNode version 1.11.0 has come out. So if you're a node operator, uh, you can go on and upgrade to the new SmartNode stack. And of course, um, well, one of the major uh, announcements as well is that Prater testnet's going to be uh, pretty much ended. Uh, so yeah. if you've got any testnet, any validators on that testnet, uh, remove them because we're just going through Holschke uh, from now on. Yeah. And of course, poor Joe. I saw that Gath, like moments after he comes out with his version 1.11, yeah. uh, Gath comes out with their new release. So, which always happens, of course. But any thoughts on any quick thoughts on the um, upgrade? Yeah. So you know, uh, Prate has been running for a while, and now it's being sunsetted with Gurley. So Haleshki is where everyone's moving to. So get on Haleshki. It's it's the place to be. All the cool people hang out there. Yeah. All right. So uh, this is a Rocket Pools podcast, but um, I thought it was worthy to note that uh, a couple things about Lido this week. Whack. First, uh, they had a one of their node operators, uh, launch nodes, as it's referred to here in the Twitter post, had uh, 20 slashings. And uh, they were those validators were taken offline and Lido and the operator is looking to what the root cause was. But I, I chuckled a little bit from this because I recall um, Lido saying once that um, 
Staking should be for the professionals, not for the, the hobbyists, as I think I think is the terminology. And you know, look at this. Uh, the, one of their professionals had a had a problem. You know, it, it talk, we talk about decentralization. If you have you know thousands of node operators or hundreds, um, if you do have someone get slashed, it's 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 so insignificant. Mm -hmm. And Rocketpool has had uh, a node operator or two get slashed, but. You know, it's not even a blip on the radar for us because um, of the decentralization factor. Yeah. And then the, the one other thing about Lido, and we can talk about both these, um, is that they their incentivized program that they applied for on Arbitrum has failed. Um, the vote came down last night, and like forty three percent voted against incentivizing STETH. Um, a, compared to about 38% for, with uh, about 19% abstaining. So this was, uh, I thought, a real signal that the social um, pressure on Lido is actually now having a real effect. And this is this would be the first real um, example of it, Wax. So all the talk that we've been having over the last couple of months about Lido, it, uh, it seems to have appeared here on this vote. What are your thoughts on both the slashings and uh, this Arbitrum vote. So this, with the slashing, like in terms of TVL, like you said, this is minuscule, this is not even the blip, right? Like they've lost a tiny, tiny, tiny percent of their daily rewards. And that's expected because they're such a huge service. In terms of like, um, I think it should help people understand that there are risks to staking with Lido. It's not a risk-free stake, right? It is possible that, you know, I don't know what the redundancies or measures uh, launch notes has, but they could have potentially had 10, I, th I think they have 10,000 validators somewhere on that. They could potentially have had 10,000 validators get slashed um, if, if the problem that persisted, right? Like I, when you get one slashing, then it's possible to get all your validators slashed. Um, I don't know how realistic that was, but it should make people realize that, you know, Lido itself doesn't have any kind of insurance. So, well, it does have insurance, but it's very limited insurance. And um, if, if the slashings happen, those that will come out of users' pay, basically their income. Um, whereas uh, with Rocket Pool, it would come out of the node operator directly before it came out of the RETH. So that's one of the things to, to pay attention to. Um, with the Arbitrum vote, like I think this is the manifestation of all this recent like social pressure that's been coming on uh, onto, onto Lido. And they, um, they've actually gone down by nearly 1% of market share uh, of stake in the last month and a half, I think six weeks or so, since like this social presence started building, they've gone from basically 33%, just below 33% down to 31.95% or something. So, you know, it's having a, it's having an impact. I don't know um, if it's going to be sustainable, if it's going to keep going, but I think the social pressure is definitely working slowly, but I think these are really big things that move slowly. So um, it's it's great that there's there's definitely stuff that's happening here. So... Yeah. Would you say, on terms of the slashings, because um, Rockapool has RPL collateral as our um, major insurance fund, is it safe to say that our ETH is the safest liquid staking protocol? I think so, and I've seen analyses before. The, yeah, for the holder of our ETH, um, there would have to be some major, major, major problems happen before they felt it. Like, it would have to be like every single Rocket Pool node operator would get slashed, and then that would be a correlated slashing. But even that, because Rocket Pool is so small, um, it wouldn't it wouldn't impact, like, all, all their ETH. I guess what would happen is if there was a bug with, like, Prism or Lighthouse, 
then and that caused slashing of everyone on the whole network using those clients, then that percentage of Rocket Pool node operators could lose all their 32 ETH in that validator. But those are really, really unlikely situations. And I think overall, like um, our 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 ETH is the safest in terms of insurance fund because it's so vastly over collateralized. I think that's well said. All right, so that concludes our show for this week, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening. Of course, none of this is financial advice. Uh, we will see you next week for another episode. And WAC, have a great week. Thank you so much, YouTube. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.